This podcast is brought to you by Uncaged from Z-Mind Game Studios, Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and by listeners like you. Go to patreon.com slash twoheadednerd now to become a supporter. Oh yeah, this is famous cartoonist Start Baltazar. I draw tiny titans and all your comics and super pets. And you're listening to the Two-Headed Nerds podcast with Joe and Matt. And now with Art Baltazar too. <laughs> Broadcasting from the Ziggurat at Omaha. Deep below the metro area. It is our pleasure to welcome you to episode 462 of the Two-Headed Nerd comic book podcast. My name is Matt Baum. I'm glad you checked to see if you were recording because yeah. uh, if I'm you tuned into shit. the live feed last week, <laughs> you'll know that we had to do the show twice. I'm sick of that crap. I am Joe Patrick. Each week, Matt and I discuss Wednesday's new comics, comic book movies, TV, news, and all the juicy rumors. No, remember we just talked about changing that line. I don't care. Okay. The, dump, the, gar- the internet is still a garbage pile, Matt. I was gonna make still it still applies. I was going to make it a dumpster this week that we're diving into. All of the juicy rumors hiding in the dumpster... Behind the internet. Okay. Or is, it, is it behind the internet? No, or the, is internet the internet is the, the dumpster, dumpster, and it's full yeah, of juicy rumors. I'm with you. Think of us as your dual floating Zardoz heads that vomits out quality comics. Yeah. Joe, I hope our brown lantern rings are charged, because you owe me a giant ping pong rematch. The Moloids have gathered to watch me kick your ass, so let's focus our wills, create our paddle constructs, and ping it out to see who serves first while we review ten comics during this week's Ludicrous speed round. Ra- oh, no, I should say like Zardoz. Ludicrous speed round. Ra- uh, what emotion does the brown ring tap into? I think you know. Oh, God. <laughs> Ludicrous speed. Go. DuckTales, number one from IDW. It's 32 pages for $3.99. Huey, Dewey, and Louie are back alongside Uncle Donald, but notably no Uncle Scrooge in the first issue. Joe Carmanga is operating directly out of the Carl Barks playbook here in these two short duck stories. They were funny. They were very well illustrated by Usai and Florio. I'm not even going to try their first names. But it certainly didn't feel like the DuckTales I remember. Again, not a bad thing, just different. And to be fair, my favorite part of the old DuckTales was Huey, Dewey, and Louie, who are prominently featured here using their junior woodchuck skills to get out oh, of yeah. any situation. These kids are tough, modern oh, yeah. youths. They ain't no junior woodchucks. Well, they talk about the junior woodchucks. Oh, okay. Yeah, all, the whole time. <laughs> they don't mention the junior woodchucks at all in the DuckTales cartoon, okay. the new DuckTales. DuckTales number one was laugh out loud fun, and at times made me wish I had a junior woodchuck to read it with. Buy it. I mean, in the pilot they didn't. I don't want to get any emails okay. about it. But Donald was not on the regular show back in the day. No. Okay. Donald's all over this. This is Donald and the kids. Yeah, he's in the new cartoon. Yeah, it's weird. It's finally here. Marvel Legacy number one from Marvel 64 pages is $5.99. Marvel fixed everything. Buy it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's finally here. The book Marvel wishes they had gotten to press as soon as DC Rebirth proved to be a success. In the wake of Secret Empire, the Marvel Universe is in a transitory state. Some characters were left in a really bad or uncertain place. Writer Jason Aaron takes us on a whirlwind tour through the lives of several key characters, teasing their new status quos. I think it's quas. Quas. Status is quo <laughs> for legacy while weaving in the story of a slumbering threat and the lengths that Earth's most ancient heroes must go to stop it. Uh, Aaron is joined by a host of great artists. I'm not going to list them all here. You can see my uh, full review online for that, which we didn't really do a good job of announcing last week. Well, we were announcing it right after this. Okay. Uh, some of it's great. Most of it's great. Most of it is great. Some of it is not great. Some of it is fine. 
one of them is bad. Is bad, and <laughs> it was so bad that I couldn't figure out who it was until I looked it up. Yeah, it surprised me too. And then I was stunned. Yeah. Aaron and his team do a great job setting the stage for Marvel Legacy, and they offered a lot of really fun moments with a couple of genuine and welcome surprises. Plus, they really leaned into the whole legacy thing with a bunch of throwback ads for upcoming titles. I thought they were really funny. I have to admit, after reading Marvel Legacy number one, I'm excited to see where the Marvel Universe goes from here. I'm giving it a buy it. You were not as enthused. I'm giving it a strong skim. Why? Uh, I don't know. I need to see where we're going from here, I guess. It, it felt a You seemed confused I by was it. a little confused by some of it, yeah. And there's a longer discussion here to be had. Maybe we'll get into it when callers start calling to talk okay, about yeah. Marvel Legacy. Tom Hendrick. Captain Kronos Vampire Hunter, number one from Titan Comics. It's 32 pages for $3.99. This is the first issue in Titan's new Hammer Horror line. For those of you under the age of 50 or not obsessed with old school British horror like myself, Hammer Film Productions was a British company that pumped out horror for the thinking man as opposed to the mindless American slasher and monster flicks that dominated theaters in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. I also enjoyed those too. Tom Mandrake was made to draw a comic like The Adventures of Kronos and does a wonderful job channeling horror great Bernie Wrightson with his scratchy black work and menacing point of view. I loved this from start to finish, and it's easy to pick up on Dan Abnett's love for the source material as well. Captain Kronos is a love letter to the original Hammer film executed by a creative team with the utmost respect for cheesy British horror, and it gets a huge buy it. Fujitsu, number one. From Aftershock, 32 pages, $3.99. That is not a mistake. It is Fujitsu, not Jujitsu. You know, Fujitsu. The Jewish art of martial defense. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Fujitsu is an unaging genius, a 100-year-old boy that has had adventures around the globe and around the galaxy. From Einstein to, and the Wright Brothers to Gandhi and Johnny Unitas. Yeah. He's a sports person. Fu has met He's everyone in history <laughs> while protecting Earth from Robert Wadlow, the world's tallest man, and his dangerous magic science. All of that information would have been great to have in the actual comic book and not just in the solicit, because boy, was I confused. Okay. Writer Jai Nitz, friend of a friend of the show. Yeah. Haley Nitz, writer of Chasing Hitler. Uncle of a friend of the show. Uh, well, still, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uncle of a friend of the show, yeah. Yeah. You can't be friends with your uncle. That's disgusting. That's... Mm, <laughs> You're making me sick. Giantz <laughs> throws us into the middle of the movie and doesn't offer up a whole lot to cling to as the action whizzes by. Wesley St. Clair's art is really great, full of dynamic movement and expression, but what the hell is molecular kung fu? And what is he doing to James Dean? Yes, with that toaster. Sounds perverted. What's going on between Fu and this redhead? There are a lot of big, fun, mad science ideas here, and I love the genre matchup between sci-fi and martial arts. But this felt like issue 50 of Fujitsu, not issue one. I needed more to get connected to the characters and their history, so I'm giving Fujitsu a skimmit. Mazel tov. That's not where they get the Jew part in jujitsu. I think I know a little more about this than you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. It's not my place to comment. Yeah. Okay. The Beautiful Death, number one from Titan. That was good. <laughs> it's 64 pages for $5.99. This is another in Titan's line of translated European comics, and it's a wonderful introduction to French cartoonist Mathieu Bablé. Uh, it's Michael Bublé. <sighs> Sorry. It's pronounced Michael Bublé. I think this is Michael Bublé's little brother. Actually. Oh, okay. While the script can come off as a little clunky at times due to translation, I'm sure it's a beautiful read in French. 
Fable's art is the star here, though, with highly detailed panels that reminded me of Ulysses Farinas and Simon Roy. The story is a bleak tale of three survivors of an alien insect invasion that seems to have wiped out the human population of Earth. Fable's strange, angular, but amazing art style doesn't do much to give the reader an idea of the characters' ages, but his dialogue makes them feel young as they're exploring vacant, nameless cities looking for food and comfort. The Beautiful Death is an artistic masterpiece, and while the dialogue can come off as definitely translated. That's the nicest thing I can say about it. The story still evokes a desperate and lonely look at life after the fall of humanity. I'm giving it a buy it. This guy is really talented. Cool. Rat Queens, Orc Dave, one shot from Image. It's 32 pages. It's $3.99. I fell off of the original Rat Queen series years ago, but I always liked Orc Dave, the lovable hunk with birds in his beard. He's got little blue birds in his beard. It's cute. Okay. This one shot from writer-creator Curtis Weeby and artist Max Dunbar tells the origin of Dave as he struggles against the expectations of his culture and his father, when all he wants to do is go out and make his own way in the world. We've all been there. I remember Rat Queens being pretty uh, saucy in the humor department, and we get a little bit of that humor here as Dave meets the queens for the first time, but really, the rest of the issue is a really poignant story about fathers and sons and the importance of passing on and embracing one's birthright, Whoa! coexisting with nature, and parenthood. It's all over the dang place. Wow. Dunbar and colorist Tamara Bonvillain do a wonderful job on the art, illustrating Dave's craggy home and the pilgrimage he and his father make through the heart of the lush forest. I honestly couldn't tell you a thing about the Rat Queens beyond the names of a few characters, but I found the Orc Dave one-shot to be really accessible, moving, and beautifully drawn. It's a buy-it. Okay. Nick Fury, number six from Marvel. It's 32 pages for $3.99. They're still making this, huh? Yeah. Writer James Robinson is trying so hard to make me care about this new son of Nick Fury, but it's just not working. Maybe it's you. Well, Maybe the, you're the problem. I don't know. While the art here by ACO or ACO is truly stunning, and Robinson's playing on the old Storenko storyline from Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. number three, where... Nick's dad investigated a hellhound haunting a Scottish castle. Sound familiar? Nick Jr. keeps chasing his nemesis, Frankie Noble, as their story gets weirder and wilder. But there's just no soul here. I, I don't care about this Nick Fury. And while Robinson's story does everything it can to capture the magic of Storenko's fury, I'm finding it very hard to care at all. Especially in a Marvel U where S.H.I.E.L.D. may or may not even exist at present. Well, this, uh, I mean, they cover that in Marvel Legacy. Well... This latest Nick Fury is a very well-written and illustrated comic, but it's lacking the mythology of the main character, and that's by no fault of these creators. I can only give this a skimmit, because it really was pretty, and it's fairly well-written, but every issue is just coming off as this wacky slam-bang, nothing really happened. It's a high-adventure spy comic. Like, I what do you want? Yes. What? What do you want from Stakes. It? That's what I want. I want stakes, and I need to connect to this character. Are there really stakes and in James have... Bond, Matt? Like, Absolutely. You... No, 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 no. The world's now, gonna end and be, stuff. Be I mean, real now. Yes. When you go into a James Bond movie, do you ever have any doubt that James Bond's gonna save the day? No, of course not. And I don't have any doubt that Nick Fury's gonna save the day, but there are no stakes. There is no overriding story. It's just wackiness after wackiness after wackiness, is what I'm what? saying. I like the It's not going anywhere. Uh... Generations. Well, congrats! It's canceled. So, are you happy now? <laughs> There's a reason why. Generations: The Spiders One Shot from Marvel, 40 pages, 4.99. BM Bendis and Ramon Perez team up for my favorite Generations One Shot so far. Though the Ms. Marvel one was also really good. Mm -hmm. Bringing Miles Morales to one of the most iconic moments of Peter Parker's career as Spider-Man. 
If there are two characters Bendis knows inside and out, it's Miles and Teenage Peter. And it was really fun to see them bond on a new level with Miles finally seeing what life as Spidey was like when Peter was his age. Miles is able to be there for Peter at his moment of greatest doubt and fear. And it's a really nice moment between the two characters, especially if you've read the original Stan Lee, Steve Ditko story. It, it plops Miles right into that issue of Spider-Man. I forget the issue number, but it's where he's buried under all the wreckage. Oh, yeah. Underwater yeah, yeah. Yes. in Doc Ock's fortress. I mean, he's got to summon more strength than he has. It was a great issue. Oh, man. It's like one of the most iconic moments in Spider-Man history. Rowan Perez is one of my favorite artists working at Marvel right now, and he really brings it, taking the characters all the way back to Peter's teen years in the 60s. I don't really get it. The Ms. Marvel thing, the Ms. Marvel issue did the same thing where it's like, yes, it's taking it back to where these characters originally were when they were published back then. But in continuity, Ms. Marvel was not really a magazine editor in the 70s. The Marvel Universe right. doesn't go back that far. But it, it doesn't matter. It's the vanishing point, baby. Forget it. And it's got gorgeous sepia heavy colors by, you heard it, M. Sassy K. <laughs> M. Sassy K. Yeah. Some are interpreting this issue as Miles conceding that he will always be second to Peter, the quote-unquote real Spider-Man. But that's not how I saw it. Miles got to see his mentor at his lowest point and be there for Peter in the same way Peter was there for him. I really liked Guardians the Spiders. I'm definitely ready, though, to be done with Generations. Please. Yeah, I'm done with it. This one's a buy. Infinite Loop, nothing but the truth. Number one from IDW, it's 32 pages for $3.99. I know one of us reviewed the first Infinite Loop mini on this show. The very first issue I think we talked about. And yeah. I'm going to say it was Joe, because this issue, while the solicit called it a perfect jumping on point, left me baffled. <laughs> I know there's time travel play, and our main character, Teddy, is a fiery redhead in charge of an organization that travels through time, maybe other dimensions, timelines and uses her watch to do so. Teddy used to date a congresswoman named Anno who is fighting for anomaly rights and just so happens to be an anomaly herself. What is an anomaly? I don't have the slightest clue as the writers never explain it in this perfect jumping on point. The comic is very well written, but it spends a little too much time on Teddy and Anno's well-written relationship rather than explaining what the hell was going on in the larger story. The new Infinite Loop book had solid art with great action sequences and very good dialogue, but I cannot tell you anything about the basic plot. I'm giving this a skim it. I was fucking lost, I, man. You know what? I, uh, reading, listening to you recap it right there, I don't remember any of those details either. I, I just, I don't know what was going on. Yeah. Detective Comics number 965 from DC, 32 pages. It's $2.99. Yeah, buddy. This issue kicks off a lonely place of living... A story that calls back to Tim Drake's earliest appearances in 1989. Yeah, that is a year that exists. Yeah, I was 34. <laughs> in 20 pages, writer James Tinian IV and artist Eddie Barrows have restored everything that the New 52 stripped away from Tim, who is without a doubt one of the greatest characters to come out of DC in almost 30 years. I was thrilled he got his virginity back. <laughs> oh, it was just so bad how he lost it. It was really like touching ceremony. <laughs> Tim Drake was never Robin? Fuck that. Not only did he serve as Robin, but he was one of the best, and he saved Batman from the spiral of self-destruction that he had put himself on following Jason Todd's death. In the present day, Tim is forced to relive those moments for the reader and his captor, Mr. Oz, but Tim's been planning his escape for months, and when he's finally able to make contact with Batman, Tinian drops a pair of huge twists 
that'll have you setting money aside for the whole story arc then and there. Barrows gets better and better with each issue. His work here is phenomenal. I loved this so much, and I'm legit grateful to Tinian and Barrows for breathing new life into one of my favorite characters. Absolutely. If you're not an old fogey like me and you don't know what's so great about Tim Drake, pick up Detective 965 and find out. Buy it. Boof. That is your ludicrous speed round, man. Boof. It's the sound of Starbrand throwing a boulder at the Ghost Driver, as seen in Marvel Legacy <laughs> number way. one. I did not type Ghost Driver. I typed Ghost okay. Driver. <laughs> um, did you do this one? Yeah, I did. This onomatopoeia of the week comes from Joe. He's sitting right across from me. Yep. But if you enjoy a good boofing and you want to submit an onomatopoeia of the week, hit us up on any of our social media platforms or shoot us an email at twoheadednerd at gmail.com. Just pick one from this week's comics that you read and went, ah, that's kind of weird. I'm going to send it to the boys. Weird, funny, gross. We love it. Yeah. And the, uh, the only reason I picked it myself is because I forgot to ask and it was right there. Okay. I love Asad Ribic's, uh hand-drawn sound effects. Yeah, they're cool. always goofy. They're boof? Cool. Yeah. Boof is not a sound of a bull. They're doing no, anything. No, Boof <laughs> is like an oversized, like, uh, punching bag, perhaps. Like, yeah, falling yeah, right. on someone, you know? <laughs> it was a rough week for Matt as one of his idols... Hugh Hefner. I love Hugh. Passed away. He was a creepy creep. No, he passed wasn't. A, yes, he was. No, he was a tasteful dude. <laughs> he was an international playboy. He was not a tasteful dude. He passed away, though, at age 92. So, to cheer the little guy up, I've invited Dead Man to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum for a smoking jacket required seance to find out what Hugh and his throng of dead playmates, yeah, see, are excited to read next week. Matt, why don't you share your must-read pick for next week with Hef and the ladies of the netherworld? My pick for next week is Eugenic, number one of three from Boom. It's written by James Tinian, the four, with art by Eric Donovan. Eric is a weirdo and spells his name with a Y. I don't know. That isn't right. Yeah, E-R-Y-K. I know. That's how he spells it. 32 pages for $3.99. Here's your solicit. From the Glad Award-nominated team, James Tinian, the four, and Eric Donovan, comes a new vision of humanity's future in the vein of Black Mirror. When a plague ravages the world, one scientist discovers the cure and becomes the savior of mankind. Hope is restored and the world rebuilds. But then people who took the cure begin having children who are dot, 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 unnatural. And the definition of, quote, normal, unquote, <laughs> is forever altered, period. Children who are dot, 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 <laughs> oh, natural. <laughs> <laughs> They're naked? <laughs> Joe, uh, what's your pick for next week? Well, real quick about eugenic. Uh, I'm not sure why they didn't mention this in the solicit, but this feels like part of the trilogy of books that Eric Donovan has worked on. It started with Mimetic. You remember that book? Yeah, I don't think this. And they it. were like very like kind of creepy sci-fi yeah. themed, but not connected. Yeah, that, that is an, this is another one of those. I don't remember James Tinian being involved, but Eric Donovan was definitely the artist. Didn't James Tinian write that? I don't remember, but there were two of them so far. Give me your there pick and I'll Mimetic, look it up. and then on the second one, who, which I did not read. My pick for next week was going to be Spirits of Vengeance, number one from Marvel. And I'm calling dibs on it right now. James Tinian did write Mimetic. There you go. They wrote all of them together. Uh, but I switched it over to Catalyst Prime, the Astonisher number one, because you know how I love the Catalyst Prime universe. And being astonished. I, <laughs> you love that shit. That's right. <laughs> it's from Lion Forge, written by Alex DeCampi, friend of the show. First generation friend of the show. Yep. 
with art by Pop Mahan. Pop Man, right? Pop Man, I think is his name, yeah. yeah. It's 32 pages for $3.99. Here, just solicit. The most dangerous corners of the universe live inside the nightmares of superpowered people. Whoa. Magnus Atatarn. Whoa. Heir to the Atatarn Satellite Corp. Tried to save the world with his experimental one-man spaceship and ended up a broken man. Now a celebrity joke. Suffering from PTSD, Magnus has the power to travel inside the mind of superpower people. Where he discovers nightmares which threaten the entire human race. Oh, shit. Crazy. Like, the idea that superpower people have this crazy stuff hiding yeah, in their yeah. brains. That sounds fun. It does sound fun. I like Alex Campy. I like Pop Man, Man a lot. Yeah. Uh, Pop Man's been drawing comics for... Years. I remember him oh, all yeah. up and down the 90s, especially at Image. Yeah. He drew, a, he filled in on something recently. I think it was The Flash. Okay. Gorgeous. He's a talented guy. Dude has guy. come a long Super way. Guy. I'm just glad they're bringing Sleepwalker back. You know, it's great. <laughs> it does kind of sound like Sleepwalker. <laughs> it's totally Sleepwalker. I mean, minus the spaceship, whatever. The he, THN Trade of the Week goes to the Marvel Age of Comics 1961 to 1978 by Trash Can America. Tashin. Oh, pardon me. Written by Roy Thomas. <laughs> Art by Various. Trash Can America. <laughs> it's 400 pages for $59.99. What a deal. It's a hardcover, 400 pages? Oh, yeah. Here's your solicit. It was an age of mighty heroes, misunderstood monsters, and complex villains. With the publication in November 1961 of Fantastic Four, number one, I could have written that sentence better, comics giant Marvel inaugurated a transformative era in pop culture. Later on, they would get in a major legal battle with Fox and stop writing fucking Read this thing. Sorry. Read it. (laughs) Through the next two decades, the iconic Hulk, Spider-Man, Iron Man, and the X-Men leapt darted and towered through its pages and farted the marvel age of comics 1961 to 1978 takes you to the heart of this seminal segment in comic history that's how that word is pronounced and the age of triumphant character and narrative innovation that reinvented the superhero genre with hundreds of images and insider insights the book traces the birth of champions who were at once epic in their powers and adversaries and grounded that's a lot of ands and grounded in a world (laughs) that the readers recognize as close to their own and relatable and heroes with the same problems there were two, and struggles there were two and shortcomings and as everyone and else yeah, all right so <laughs> since that solicit that matt read is essentially meaningless yeah that is this, a wordy poorly written solicit it's not poorly worded you read it poorly it's, it's poorly worded. now there was a comma in the wrong place in that one sentence yeah. i do agree uh this is basically like it's awesome it's just an insider look. It's a history book. Yeah. It's not a comic. It's an illustrated history book about uh, the behind the scenes of Marvel Comics at the dawn of the Silver Age from one of the guys that was there, Roy Thomas. Uh, Roy Thomas was a very famous writer for DC. He served as editor-in-chief for Marvel for a while. Uh, now he has a series of comic book history publications. Yeah, they're Alter, awesome. Alter Ego. They're totally awesome. And this book's coming out kind of in the vein of Marvel, the untold story, which yeah. I read last year. Loved it. It was wonderful. I'm excited for it. That's must read stuff, by the way, if you haven't read it. Mm, yeah. Boy, it makes Stanley out to be a real schmuck. Well, yeah, he's kind of a schmuck. He was kind of a schmuck. Matt, are you glad you finally got to say goodbye to Hef? Honestly, it just felt good to apologize for that whole incident in the lagoon with Fred Durst. You know, I mean. Well. I think we all knew that uh, Jackass had it coming. Well, he shouldn't have been creeping on you, okay? I mean, come on. That was gross. He did it all for the nookie, man. <laughs> what can you say? Yeah, well, you didn't have to give it to him, all right? Look, all right, enough. <laughs> now, why don't you nerds let us know what you think we should be reading and reviewing on the show? 
Before we get to the ugly backside of this show, we got to talk about our sponsor, Uncaged. It's a card game available at uncaged-cards.com. You can also go to that website. They have an excellent YouTube video that shows you exactly how the game is played. All right. What kind of game are we talking about? All right. All right. right. It's a physical card game. They don't have an app or a browser yet, but it sounds like that's coming. It's mixed martial arts themed. The styles may include everything from pro wrestling to karate to Muay Thai to Jiu-Jitsu, boxing, and more. Oh, yeah, like a card game like Pokemans? Uh, more like Yu-Gi-Oh! More like Magic the Gathering, right? It's easy to learn. It's difficult to master. There's gameplay strategies that are reminiscent of both those that I just told you about. There's also deep mechanics that are easily accessible to the casual fan. It becomes very apparent. I don't know, man. I'm pretty stupid. That's true. But I think even you could pick this one up. It plays similar to arcade games such as Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat. Oh, I'm good at Street Fighter. Yeah, because you mash your fists on the buttons like an ape. No way, buddy. I know how to Hadouken. Bad news here, okay? You got to pay attention. There's actual strategy. You got to think about your play. You can't just sit down and crush Ken with Blanca because you swung your controller around in the air, all right? There's actual thinking. You do the little charging thing. They can't can't block it. (laughs) There's great artwork on the cards, a colorful and diverse cast of international characters. Like I said, you can order it online at uncaged-cards.com. We'll have that in our show notes as well. We want to thank our buddy Charlie Tron for giving us his sponsorship. It's been a lot of fun, and we're glad to help him out. It helps us out when you go click on it and check out this rad new card game as well. Who's making the game? I don't think we said that. Oh, that's right. This comes from Z Mind Games, and you can follow them on Twitter for more information on Uncaged. Z E M I N D. You got that right. Games. You got it. Joe, before we open the show to the hordes of mindless internet trolls waiting to devour us, let's give them something to talk about. Let's talk about this week's Nerd News! Uh, the title of this first news story is Danny Elfman is an angel sent from heaven. That's I could agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Danny Elfman was brought in earlier this year to score Warner Brothers Justice League. Sorry, Junkie XL. Uh. And although <laughs> uh, apparently Junkie XL is a very talented com- film composer and I don't know anything. No, he is. He's just got a really stupid name. He's got a really dumb name. You may know him best as the composer of 1989's Batman. We're back on Danny Elfman, not Junkie. Yes, <laughs> which uh, he recycled for many films t- yes. to come, including Marvel's Spider-Man. <laughs> Elfman is best known to comic book fans for 1989's Batman score, and he has gravitated toward another DC classic to fold back into the DC movies. John Williams' Superman the movie theme. How in the hell... Did we have to get this far before they realized we need the Superman theme? How did that happen? (laughs) Really? In an interview with Billboard, Elfman revealed he's having fun folding in new and old themes for the movie. Quote, there are a few little fan moments. I instated a moment of the Wonder Woman theme that Hans Zimmer did for Batman versus Superman. But I also had two minutes where I had the pleasure of saying, let's do John Williams. And that, for me, was heaven, because now I have a melody to twist, and I'm using it in actually, don't freak out, a very dark way. Uh. In a dark moment of the film, uh. it's, the, it's the kind of thing that some fans will notice, some won't. It's a moment in the movie where we're not really sure whose side Superman is on. Now, at first I thought, okay, dark, the Superman theme is not dark, what are you doing? But then I thought about what he said, 
Superman is coming back from the dead. Of course. In this movie, which is something that has never happened to these characters before. I suppose. Yeah. Elfman also discussed the iconic heritage Warner Brothers has with the DC film scores. Again, quote, the people at DC are starting to understand we've got these iconic bits from our past and that's part of us. That's part of our heritage. We shouldn't run away from that. Contemporary thinking is every time they reboot something, you have to completely start from scratch, which, of course, audiences will tell us again and again is bullshit. Thank you, Denny Elfman. Right. Because the single most surviving and loved theme in the world is Star Wars, which they had the good sense to not dump for the reboots. And every time it comes back, the audience goes crazy. Right. I mean, the the bigger story here is DC is starting to figure it out. And uh, there was some other news this week where I saw something leak about uh, Jeff Johns talking about Matthew Vaughn's idea where we spoke about it last week where he said if I was going to do Superman I would update the Richard Donner Superman it would be fun and lighter and it turns out Jeff Johns had voted for that before this relaunch of Superman and everyone was like shut up Jeff we're Hollywood we know what's up right and then when that took a crap they came back and like hey Jeff remember when we had that idea that you liked about making a lighter nicer Superman do you want to talk about that again you know and <laughs> so I, I do think they're figuring it out I love the return of the Superman theme it makes no sense why they didn't do it from the get-go it's one of the most iconic theme songs ever. I mean, I understand the instinct to say we want to, right. this is a fresh start. We want to, we want to we want break junk, from the We past. want Junkie XL to put a little more wop, wop, wop into the <laughs> well, Superman Well, no, theme. I mean, uh, whoever, was it Hans Zimmer that did the Man of Steel theme? I think so. I mean, it's a perfectly fine score, but there's yeah, no but, reason they couldn't uh, have also incorporated yes, just like Star Wars. The main Superman theme. Which they do. The Star Wars theme starts, dun, 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 we all freak out, and then it slowly becomes like, oh, here's the new movie, Star Wars, that comes right. out of that theme. Come on! Just do it. Right, right. Let's talk about the Avengers. No surrender! Marvel Comics has announced Avengers No Surrender, a weekly event that will merge the three monthly Avengers titles. How come titles. every time you say that you were like recoil like you're getting no, punched? I'm flexing. Oh, okay. I'm you're... not surrendering. That's me not surrendering. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Thank you for clarifying. <laughs> no Surrender is a weekly event that will merge the three monthly Avenger titles beginning with Avengers 675 in January. The new details were revealed in Marvel's Boom! A promotional magazine that arrived in the direct market comic book stores this week. U.S. Avengers and Uncanny Avengers will end, at least for the duration of No Surrender! And the lineups of all three teams coming together under the banner of the core Avengers title, It Is About Goddamn Time, which will be written by Mark Wade, Al Ewing, and Jib Zub, who subsequently on Twitter this week yelled at Comic Resources and was like, hey, I read under the name Jim Zub, not Jim Zubakavich. It's kind of like calling, referring to Stan the Man as Stanley Leibowitz. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. I thought he just did that so people No, he did. That's could, how he that's how he wants to Fair enough. Hit. He can have it. The series will also feature the return of some classic Avengers characters not seen much in recent years. Everybody's favorite, the Living Lightning. I from West Coast Avengers. Totally forgot that was a thing. Yeah. And Jarvis. Yeah, Jarvis popped up in Marvel Legacy this week. It was great. I honestly didn't know that they weren't using Jarvis. I thought he was in Mark Wade's Avengers book. I don't think we've seen Jarvis for a very long time. I think this legacy, number one, was the first time we've seen Jarvis in years. Nah, he was definitely in all new, all different Avengers. Was he? Yeah, but... Anad Avengers? Yeah, he may not have been in the most recent volume. All right. Tom Bravert, 
Tom Brevoort, pardon me. Brevoort. He's an executive editor and he's a Marvel SVP. What's an SVP? Senior vice president. Oh, okay. Explained the series in a statement saying, quote, the earth has been stolen. That's the kickoff to the wildest Avengers epic ever put to paper. Well. A widescreen adventure with a massive cast and unlimited budget. Avengers, pa- unlimited budget. Give me a break. Right. Comic book. Avenger- I bet the CG dinosaurs are going to look amazing. Avengers past and present will be called upon to cope with a threat spanning out of the pages of Marvel Legacy number one. So it's a celestial. I guess. Yeah. Right. And like that oversized special, there's a huge character return or two along the way that fans have been asking for. Living Lightning? <laughs> and one they didn't even know they wanted. I okay. think the one That's they didn't even know they wanted. Lightning. So you asked me if I was excited. Yeah. Um, I kind of am because... This sounds like the Avengers. The Avengers has been splintered into so many different di- directions. You're, you're always bringing up the fact that like, uh, they can't just give us one of something. They got to give us four of something. Right. And that's sort of true. What we're getting when they have like four or five different Avengers family books, it's not like they pan the camera slightly to the left and this book is about a different group of Avengers. Not at all, no. It's about a totally different yeah. thing they're that doing, they're just calling the Avengers. They're doing too much. They're doing way too much. Like Uncanny Avengers, that book should have run its course. A long time ago. Or become something else. Become like an Avengers X-Men 2-in-1 or something, yeah. you know. Um, And the Avengers, the main Avengers book, hasn't felt like the Avengers to me for real no. in, in quite some time. Not at all. Uh, U.S. Avengers is completely different. I'm not even sure why they're using the name Avengers. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a cool, f- fun concept. Sunspot bought AIM. Right. And this came out of that, that Avengers idea mechanics yeah. book or whatever, which was, well, cute. Didn't really go anywhere and did not feel like an Avengers book. I, I, yeah, I mean, they overuse the name. Yeah. For sure. Definitely. But this kind of bringing them all together for one, like st- the traveling Wilburys of the Avengers, right? Like all of the best Avengers together in Hot one place. Take. Hot take. I don't give a shit about the traveling Wilburys. Temple of the Dog. Well, that was different. That was like a one-time thing for a buddy's death, you know? I mean, same principle. How about Great White? <laughs> okay, sure. The Great White of the Avengers. I'm kidding. I fucking hate you, Ted Nugent. Fuck you. <laughs> But yeah, I, like this just feels right. It feels like a yeah. fun. And Marvel has come out and like. It wasn't Gray White. It was Damn Yankees. Damn Sorry. Yankees. Before yes. You, before you start tweeting and yelling on Facebook, it was Damn Yankees. Okay. <laughs> Marvel has said when a legacy starts that they're swearing off events. And so I'm sure that there's going to be people out there that are going to jump all over them for this announcement. What they mean is... This is an Avengers event. Line-wide, line-wide events that take over every book with a thousand tie-ins. Right. We're not doing that. This is like Operation Galactic Storm was an Avengers story. Yeah. And that's fine. Absolutely. Please do that. I love that. Yeah. I I love it when when books cross over. Yeah. And it's a drag for people that don't have unlimited budgets and don't necessarily want to read, but... But if you do it all on the pages of the Avengers... Fine. How many people are reading only U.S. Avengers? Um, you know what I'm saying? Very, very few. I'm going to say none. <laughs> it, it's a little different when it's like we're doing a three-book crossover between Spider-Man, Daredevil, and The Punisher. And you might read Spider-Man and Daredevil, but not The Punisher. Well, it, but it's never that anymore. Now it's like Spider-Man, Daredevil, and book that has really poor sales that we really want you to read. You know? Sure. Like, oh, you jerks. Come on. This story will also feature the character Voyager, who... Showed up in Marvel Legacy. Yeah, I don't know no Voyager. In, there's a scene in Marvel Legacy number one where they show Jarvis talking to Nadia, the the new Wasp, and they're at Avengers Mansion, and they show the the famous statue. Yeah. Of the founding Avengers. Yeah. And I, in the statue, 
is this character, Voyager. Yeah, I looked at it for a long time. And uh, she was teased in some promo art prior to Marvel Legacy. Uh, there's, they've also released covers for the first few chapters of this event. And, the, and one of the covers shows a kid holding a copy of Avengers number one. Yeah. And the Voyager is on the cover next to Hulk, Trash Can, Iron Man, right. uh, Thor, Wasp. Apparently we forgot about her. So it seems like there's this character Voyager that has inserted inserted herself into Marvel history. This feels very century to me. Yes, and I have many theory. I have a strong theory about this. Okay. I don't know if this is the the place to talk about it. No, no, no. But you guys could call in and we could talk about it there. I'm just saying. Uh so just to wrap up this little piece of news, this Storyline will run for 16 issues from January through April. Avengers number 690 will be the final issue. Uh, Pepe Larraz will draw the first month. Kim Jacinto will draw the second month. Pepe Larraz. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Pepe. Okay. (laughs) And Paco Medina will take over in month three. The art team will work together jam style for the final four issues. Jam style. Jam style. That's how you like it, though. Jam style, right? Uh, So I think this sounds great. Yeah. It sounds like a ton of fun. It sounds like a return to the big, dumb Avengers that we love. Yes. Uh, my big question, though, is didn't Marvel used to bag on DC for doing weekly comics? Yes. Yes, they did. But like all things, what comes around goes around, baby. There you go. They learned a valuable lesson. That's the big news for this week, suckers. If you want to discuss these stories or anything else we missed, you can call us right now because it's time. For cover to cover, where you nerds seize the controls of this damned show. It's easy. It's calling us at 402-819-4894 every Saturday from 11 a.m. to 12.30 Central Standard Time. But before we get into it, Joey, one of the things that we feature on cover to cover is the question of the week. I will need you to reset said question. I'll do it. Now. Okay. This question of the week came from Bobby, the nitpicker. I've had way too much coffee. He's watching us right now. (laughs) Via the THN Facebook fan page, he writes, I wish some comics were bold enough to move on to the next chapter of the characters and not just hint at it in a single issue. I'd much rather read about Damian Wayne's Batman at this point. What future version of a character that was hinted at would you rather see assume the mantle and let the comic actually show some progression? I have a very passionate answer for this one. Yeah, me too. All right. So there's your news. There's your question. It's time to open the phone lines. She clicks. Hey, let's see if this works. I'm screaming. Thank you for calling THN cover to cover. Caller, who this? It is your Dudas Priest, Reverend JD Ketchumall. Ah, JD. I think you're our first like every damn week. I love it. Now, here's the thing. It just works with my schedule. People <laughs> tweeted at us and wrote us and said, I love JD Ketchumall, but I will kill him if you let him talk for 11 minutes again. And I said, okay, okay, I get it. <laughs> He's got to share the air. And uh, it was partially our fault. Yes, uh, so this is a- We this, were egging you on. This is, a, this is a shout out to everybody that's planning on calling in. Yes. Please don't be surprised if we just cut you off because we will get lost in conversation. It's true. And I, I'm going to try to yeah. control Joe. Yeah, yeah, because we Joe's get, we get really into it too. And we'll all control JD together, although he's an un controllable force of a man. JD, what do you want to rap about? Well, because my call was cut last week, I do want to lead off with uh, just, again, plugging 
Smash Fiction. Yes. Awesome podcast. And I checked it out. Check it out. I do like it. Smash Fiction is good. And I started listening to The Adventure Zone, which Joe Patrick uh, told me about as well. They're both a lot of fun. Yes. Sweet. Awesome. Yeah, uh, I still need to check out Smash Fiction. And Matt, I was just listening to you guys do the news. Uh, Oysterhead? Supergroup? Oysterhead? Who's that? Oysterhead? Yeah, you were man, you were naming off supergroups. Oh, supergroups. Who the hell's an oysterhead? Let's play pool. Trey Anastasio. Oh, and Stuart Copeland. okay, okay, okay. Yes, I know what you're and talking Stuart about now. Copeland. Yeah, he's. I mean, they're all badass musicians. Definitely. It's true. Okay. <laughs> sure. I mean, they're uh, they're no damn yeah. Yankees, but. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Temple of the, Temple of That's uh, my ellipse. The yeah. traveling Wilburys had Roy Orbison in it. So, I get it. And, I mean, come and on. Wrote some really mediocre shit. What else you want to rap about, JD? Oh, the uh, Thorns. Well, the Thorns uh, is another supergroup. Stop it, you. I'm not going to talk much about the Marvel Lake House because I've got some stuff coming on that on other fronts. Yes, we are excited uh, to announce that JD is going to be writing reviews from. The Marvel Lake House. That's right. For TwoHeadedNerd.com. Very exciting. Check yeah. that out. Nobody tell him he's dead, though. Okay? Keep uh, that quiet. He doesn't know he's dead. We're, we'll, <laughs> announce, we'll announce this here because we said we were going to do it in the earlier portion of the show, and we didn't. That's true. Uh, we are making a concerted effort to increase the amount of content, yes. written content, on the website. And what that means is that you are going to hear Matt and I try to tighten up our uh, podcast reviews and post more fully written right. uh, reviews. Fleshed out stuff. Fleshed out written reviews That's on cool. the site. Because you nerds um, have said, hey, I love your reviews, but I can't remember everything. They're only audio. And some of you said, I would love to see written stuff. So we could look and be like, oh, yeah, they did like that. It's probably not going to be every single book that we do, but no. it's going to be a lot of them. Uh, JD Gotta Catch Them All is going to hit us with Tales from the Marvel Lake House. It's I'm very excited rad. about that. It's going to be rad. Uh, I'm going to have that first installment posted for you guys by the end of the weekend, hopefully. Okay. Uh, Ryan Mount, Hebrews, is on board to do more stuff yeah, with man. us. He's been like our most loyal <laughs> writer. Yeah. Uh, churning out great interviews, and he's going to step it up with some other stuff as well. The so. hardworking dog that Hebrew. Yeah, to it at nerd .com. Uh Keep your eye on it. I know it's very easy to just like head to your streaming app and get okay, the show and forget about it. You're eating up all of JD's. No, time I'm here. not. This does not count as JD's time. I'm just saying. <laughs> But yeah, now you have a reason to go to twoheadednerd.com on a semi-regular basis. Yeah, there's that and the nudie pictures. Yeah. JD, what do you want to rap about? Uh, well, since uh, my Lake House stuff is all in writing now, uh, I wanted to talk about another book that I've been reading in real time uh, that's shockingly not Warren Ellis. <laughs> uh, but it's a book I haven't heard a whole lot of people talk about. Uh, I'm really, really, really digging on Greg Rucka's Black Magic. Yeah. I am too. Yeah, I loved the first couple issues I and I lost too. track of it. I need to get caught up. Uh, speaking of Greg Rucka, there was just an announcement that Netflix is optioning yes. Lazarus. No, no, Amazon. not Netflix. Amazon. Amazon Prime. Pardon me, Amazon. Is it Amazon? You're yeah, because right. they, they, they licensed three big sci-fi properties. Yeah, Ringworld, Lazarus. Lazarus. Um, and Snow Crash by Neil Stevenson. Yeah, which, which I did not enjoy. Oh man, people love that I book. I know, I just couldn't get into it. The main character yeah, name Lazarus is, is Hero Protagonist. God, that is dumb. Wow. <laughs> that is so no. dumb. But they yeah, spell it no, H-I-R-O. If they do Lazarus right, that is going to be huge. Yeah. And that is probably going to be your next Game of Thrones slash Walking Dead Could level be. of zeitgeist. 
could be because he has totally so, fleshed out that world. And Lazarus is a wonderful book. Black Magic also a wonderful book. So tell us about Black Magic yeah. for the people that haven't been reading it. Okay, so Black Magic is about Rowan Black. She is a Portsmouth, Portsmouth, uh, Oregon police detective, and she happens to be a witch. That's pretty much the log line. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's police procedural really with, witchcraft, is, with witchcraft. It's fantastic. Yeah, and what I really like about it personally is the fact that he's really doing this interesting thing with the witchcraft. It's not your pointed hat you know, crone green laser bolt magic style. It's he, you know, for the first arc, he hired an editor who was Wiccan to pretty much vet his ideas and make sure that he was skewing as close to reality as possible while still making it fantastic. Yeah. It's very much like Alistair Uh, Crowley type witchcraft, which was sort of like slightly altering everyday things, you know, and bending rules and stuff like that. mm Mm-hmm. Oh, it's wonderful. Love yeah, that book. It, yeah, and and N- Nicholas Scott's artwork yeah. is jaw-dropping. Absolutely. I mean, beautiful. it's worth the wait. So, yeah, I highly recommend that. That's, uh, that's pretty much it. Uh, I'm avoiding the answer of the week because I could go on for seven minutes. So. <laughs> <laughs> so what you should do is go to the forums and write it. People, if you've got an idea yeah, that's yeah. too long for the show, go to the THN forums. We've got the question there. A bunch of people answer it there and they write out whole sagas sometimes and they're fantastic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That or the, that or the Facebook fan group. Yes. yes. That's another good place to do it too. Um, the, the forums, the forums is probably a, the fa- please check out the Facebook fan group for sure. Yes. The forums is probably a better place to go to have, specific conversations that you can follow. Right. And JD, I'm going to cut you off here just because someone's going to be calling in any second. And Joe is going to finish his thought. Thank you for your call, buddy. Excellent. Take it easy. Uh, in the thread for this question of the week, we already had some great answers. Like, um, uh, (laughs) they were talking about old Ollie Quinn from, the dark Knight returns, which isn't exactly an answer to the question, but it's still a fun thought Yeah, that like Batman, when he's 60 years old, drug one armed, crazy Ollie Quinn out of whatever <laughs> gutter he was in to right. help him fight Superman. Uh, but yeah, I love it. Hey, speaking of which, look at that. Somebody did. Thank you for calling THN cover to cover caller. Who this? Good morning, kids. It's Shonix. What's going All on? Right, Shonix? Shonix. How you doing, brother? Oh, I've been doing good. I've been doing good. Haven't called in a while because, man, phone lines have been pretty packed last couple of times I've been watching. Yeah, that was our fault. We're, we're working on that. Spot. We're working on that. I promise. No, no, it's all. No, no. I still enjoy the show. Well, I just, good. I didn't feel the need to call in. Well, what do you want to rap about? You know, well, you called I, us. The need was there. <laughs> the need. Well, to rap about. The need was there. It just, I, it wasn't that, you know, I, you know, I'm old. I don't, I got things the to do. The spirit was willing, but like, the flesh was weak. It's, we all, we <laughs> right, there you, there you go. There you go. I just could not perform those last couple Saturdays. Um, <laughs> so, so, so we're talking, uh, I'm talking, I read the current legacy number one, because oh. that's just, I'm a glutton for punishment. And I know you have feelings. I just want to know. I do. But, I just want to know what is Jason Aaron's boner with Phoenix? What is know. going on with that in the Marvel universe? Because I well, I read an issue of that four generations in Boar, not Boar. 
Yeah, Boar. Boar. Odin's dad is making out with Phoenix. Like yeah. they're scrogging. No, it was Odin. I thought. I'm like, that was Boar. No, it was Boar. It was Boar. And then in this current, yeah, and then the current one, and then, then it's in- Phoenix hanging out with Odin. Yeah. And he's having trouble lifting Mjorn. Mjorn, Jorn, Jorn, Jorn. Meow, meow. Bjornborg. Meow, meow. Yes. Meow, meow. But I just, it's, it's, I, and then they show this picture and that can only be her standing with the rest of the Avengers. Yeah. It's, and I, it's a Phoenix. I, There's no question. Well, I mean, the really Phoenix. Just, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. No, it's, it's, we're talking Phoenix. We're not talking Jean Grey because even when, Jean Grey, quote unquote, Jean Grey was killing everybody and destroying things. It was never Jean Grey. It was the Phoenix. Right. She never got that force until way, 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 way late. Yeah, right. right. She but, just looked like Jean Grey. Right. Go figure. Yeah. Still does yeah. a million years I ago. Mean, it was a, <laughs> no, that was yeah, a, obviously a different person. Yeah, it's just like, oh, she came out of this cocoon, but we're gonna we're gonna say she did all that stuff prior. Well, let me ask Wait, you this: what? Okay. Are you, are you happy to have? They've already announced it. Adult Jean Grey is coming back. Does this make an old ex geezer like you happy? It, it it does make me happy, um, only because there's a part of me that I don't. There's a lot of cool things happening. Um, it's a cool way of just saying. Okay, guys, we know we fucked up. Right. It's it's totally the new Fifty Two just branching into Rebirth because Rebirth. It when I read Legacy, it gave me almost the same vibe that Rebirth did. Yeah. It, it was like that same like, oh, people have been bitching about that, and that gets kind of peppered in like, oh, guys, look, we're doing this. Yeah. Um, so a part of me is happy about it. But I just didn't really think that Marvel was so far gone like the new 52 until I read Legacy. And I'm like, yeah, maybe they were that gone. So I, I'm very optimistic. Good. Because it, it sounds like some fun storytelling there. Yeah, definitely. Um, I know I was, not, I, I was knocking those, those BC Avengers. But, you know, on the pages, they worked well as a team. I thought it was pretty cool. I thought they were cool as hell. Um, yeah, I, I, I love. <laughs> no, here's the thing though. They were like, "Oh yeah, Ghost Rider rides a woolly mammoth," and the first thing they show us is, "Nah, his mammoth is dead." <laughs> I was like, "What?" Right. Yeah, right. I think, uh, hey, I think that's. And I, I think that's what really got me about it is because it was like, and he was just spitting vengeance and being so like, "I'm gonna kill it. I'm gonna drink its blood." And I, <laughs> I mean, there was a lot of cool things involved. Definitely. So, okay. Now, no spoilers. But, yeah, um, but what about the other return in this book? Or should we just spoil it? I mean, it was, it was in um, the news. Okay. Like the, so Wolverine is back. How do you it feel? It was in the news. It was in the news and I was a little like about it. But what I was really happy about, which I hate they had that one separate page of art for. Oh, the Diodato. Diodato did it. Yeah. It was yeah. so. I, it, and then they had the other pages still done by the same. And I'm like, there was a part of me that was really like, I'm fucking glad he like pulled himself out of a cocoon kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's really kind of, it's really cheesy. It's really cheesy. It's but super there's cheesy. There's a part of me that was like, but I, there was something that was like, I'm glad they did it that way. Well, there's I'm also, there's so no glad, bullshit like, to it. That's what I like about it. And he was just like, yep, yeah. I was dead. Not dead anymore. You know, like feeling much better. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Cause that, that was, that was the, that was the plot of the death of Wolverine, right? Like his healing factor had given up. Right. 
And so he his yeah. adamantium was killing him. And of course he was having to fight nonstop. And so he was getting hurt really bad. And instead of using the magic healing juice to help himself, he saved the people that were being experimented on. And he went and died, you know, drowned in, drowned in molten yeah. adamantium. Yeah. Uh, so are, are we going to get a story that explains, I almost don't even need one. No. Just, like, no, came back. his healing factor reasserted mind, himself and he woke up. It took some time. Right. It came back. He exactly. woke up, cut himself out somehow. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it sort of like split down the middle. So I don't know if he like bashed it open with his head or <laughs> who knows. It doesn't matter. Like, I don't, I don't care if they ever explain it or not. Like they showed them showing the cocoon broken open is good enough for me. And that scene, the, when it went back to Assad Ribic art, where he's facing yeah. down the frost giant and you don't really see him like he's covered in shadow and he's got his hat pulled down over his face. Right. And he's like, uh, yeah, I'm not dead no more. Said, <laughs> Ain't well, dead no more. They set it up as very old. They set it up as like old man Logan. Right. Like, right. Oh, that's just old man Logan. Yeah. Showing and up I was like, here we go. Oh, but then there's that, there's that splash page with the very surprised frost giant and all you see of Wolverine is like from his elbow up coming in from the yeah. right and the claws are not even all the way out yeah. yet. That was such a well-framed scene. It really was. Oh, God. Yeah. It really was. Now, what do you do with old man Logan? You got to kill him, right? Fire him into the sun. Yeah. I don't or care. let's just forget he ever <laughs> happened. <hope> so. yeah. <laughs> Send him home. No, Falls I, asleep I really, and he never wakes up. I really up. hope like... <laughs> He like totally guts Mysterio. Like he like Mysterio. Like he shows up in like a Spider-Man book and just like guts Mysterio. And then they're like, "Dude, not cool." And then he's like, "Well, what?" And yeah, then they like send him away. <laughs> All right, Sean, we gotta let you go. Guy. We gotta Never get mind. to some other calls here. But I'm yeah, glad you I'm, got it, man. I'm glad we got to talk to you. I'm glad we got to rap about legacy. Yeah. I'm glad you're feeling a little better. I really am. No, it's, I mean it was it was a nice feel. Yeah, it really I will was. admit. All right, brother. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Hey, you guys. Have fun. Bye, Sean. Let's see what they uh, think about the next generation of heroes. Uh, Down he said, under. I recorded it while I was in a particularly, shall we say, stone <laughs> state of mind. Huh. <laughs> that is why you will hear me refer to Green Arrow as Green Lantern just once. It happens. I get it. <laughs> hey, nerds. Jimmy Randall here sending you my answer to question of the week. Now, isn't it great when characters... Uh, sort of age in real time, but we very rarely, rarely see it. The only one that really springs to mind is Finn from Adventure Time. Um, we sort of get to follow that character in time with his voice actor, which is pretty cool. And, you know, it doesn't have to be the actual character that we follow in real time. Maybe the actual, the namesake of the character, uh, Starman, is one that does spring to mind. I've just started getting into Starman about halfway through James Robinson's run. Hot damn, that's a good book. So my answer to the question, though, um, who, which future version of a character do we want to see take the mantle? I've got two answers. I've got a character and I've got a team. Um, for my character, uh, you guys actually discussed it on the last episode, and I agree. Uh, Oliver Queen, old man Ollie from The Dark Knight Returns, the, uh, the guy with one arm who still manages to kick ass. One arm still manages to kick ass? Let's give that guy a hand. I'm, I hey took too long to think of a good pun there. I got that a bit stumped. Terrible. Ah, uh, he's disabled. <laughs> Hilarious. All right, well, um, that's my single character. Answer is Green Lantern. Now, for my team, I'm going to stick with the DC one. I want to see the Justice League story that we sort of only see the end of in uh, Grant Morrison's JLA Rock of Ages. Um, it's kind of the last stand of the yeah. Justice League. There'll be there'll be no stakes 
it like kind of like the new Han Solo movie, like who gives a shit? He's going to get into jams. Oh, is he going to survive? Yes, he is. We all know the outcome, but they could tell a pretty cool story. So, you know, the lead up to the, the situation that the earth finds itself in, in justice league rock of ages is pretty bleak. One dark side's taken over like green lanterns being turned into a parademon. The Martian manhunters being executed horribly. Uh, that, those are my answers. I, I want to read those stories. I want to read Old Man Ollie, and I want to read the final stand of the Justice League. And That's my answer. Thanks for listening. Jimmy out. Oh. You know what? That wasn't as bad as... No, but he's got to get that looked at. Uh, <laughs> and in those stories, in that future, uh, Connor, Hawk, and the Atom killed Darkseid. Yeah, and it was awesome. The two least likely heroes. It was totally awesome. So badass. Adam gets on the arrow and like like fires into like Darkseid's eye. And like the arrow just bounces off, but the Adam's so small that he like passes into Yeah, it. like oh, because, they so could, cool. because they figure out Darkseid's covered in this impenetrable force field, but they can figure out that light can still get through. Yes, it was awesome. Yeah. Thank you for calling THN cover to cover caller who this it's the nitpicker. Bobby. Hey. How you doing? I made it through. All right. What do you want to pick some nits about today, buddy? Um, have you guys watched the new Star Trek yet? Yes. Is that a topic for discussion? Let's yes. talk Star Trek. What'd you think? Uh, it's okay. See? Okay. I don't get this. Pick some nits. Let me hear it. Before I go into it, tell me your problems. Uh, I think it's too actiony. It's too much like the new Star Trek movies. Like, are we allowed to spoil it right now? Yeah, we can spoil it. Go ahead. Is it anyone well, like who's tuned into this like, is have, like probably on board and knows? So that's true. It's like we have to capture this guy alive. So they're stunning all the Klingons on the ship, and then the one Klingon they decide to kill is the one they're like, we have to take him alive. So <laughs> she has to like better phaser to kill to shoot him. And it's like, why did you do that? <laughs> Who else? Yeah. I, okay. I, I'll give you that. I will say I thought it was a little silly as well when they were like, Oh, what is this anomaly? I'm just going to get into a space suit and fly down there to check it out <laughs> as opposed to a shuttle. That's probably better protected. And you know, you could project a shield on, you know, <laughs> that did seem a little silly. I hate that. Like, and the original series, you have Spock, who's like, oh, we have this Vulcan on our ship. This is unique. And then Enterprise, like, oh, we have this Vulcan on our ship. I guess it's not that unique. And then this one's like, we have this human who's pretty much a Vulcan. So that's unique. It's like, <laughs> Jesus Christ, get something else. Okay, I thought it was kind of interesting that she is a human that went to school on Vulcan. I thought that was pretty cool. Well, it's not that, It's not just that she is a human raised on Vulcan. It's that she's a, the adopted daughter right. of, of Sarek. Yeah. So, right, but it doesn't make, doesn't that lessen the impact of Spock being in Starfleet? Like it just lessens everything for me. No, not necessarily because I mean, I mean, I get where you're coming from. Spock is a little older, obviously it's, and already doing stuff. Especially when you consider that this story takes place 10 years prior to stock to Spock to being enterprise, right? In, yeah. uh, enterprise and all this. No, Enter- enterprise is. Enterprise is... This has nothing to do with this. This is new uh, this is Star Trek. 200 years prior to Yeah, the, this is Enterprise. new Star Trek continuity. So. No, it's not. It's old Star Trek Wait, continuity. No. This isn't in yeah, the I mean, uh, universe of the new movies? Enterprise taking place before the original, though. Right. This is only 10 years prior to the original series. This is 10 years... Archer and all this? I but, don't even... Okay, time out. And maybe I'm an idiot. I thought okay. this took place... 10 years before the adventures of the new Star Trek films. No. 
No, this is old uh, no, Star Trek continuity. Really to... Ten years prior yeah, because, uh, to William Shatner's CBS Enterprise. Right... Really? No. Yeah, I did not know that. And so Enterprise, uh, Enterprise, the the show with Scott Bakula, was about the very first yeah. Enterprise. Right. And so that right. that that show takes place like a hundred years in the past. And so um, like the forming of the Federation. And it sucked bad. Yeah, right. Exactly. Like the Feder like uh like ah, I like the third and fourth season of it. Nah. Like did you did you see Star Trek First Contact with um yeah. James Cromwell as yeah. the guy that invented warp drive? Oh yeah. Um oh, yeah. he's in the first episode. Like so it's only it's only like it's a, a few years after that that time okay because he shows up yeah. and like gives a commencement speech or whatever i wasn't totally clear on that because like the klingons look completely different yes they address oh that because they are like a puritanical yeah. offshoot of klingons that have been living for hundreds of years separate from the they Klingon look different Empire. because okay. the augment so there's a there's a lot of uh, there's kind of like this inside joke in star trek about why did the klingons always look different because when you watch the original and the Klingons show up. They just look like dudes. Yeah. They don't have forehead ridges. Yeah. They, they just look like dudes. They were kind of Mediterranean looking. And <laughs> when... That, uh, did Enterprise answer that, though, with uh, taking the augment? Um, well, if, before Enterprise on Deep Space Nine, they touch on it because there's an episode where... Uh, with Trials and Tribulation. Yeah, where Cisco and Worf are... Uh, they're in the original... Yeah, they are inserted Force yeah. Gump style into a, the, a very famous yeah. episode. Yeah. <laughs> And somebody asks Worf, why do the Klingons look so different? What happened? And and Worf is like, we don't talk about it. It was an embarrassing time. Yeah. Yeah, So like, (laughs) and so in, in Star Trek canon, there are reasons why Klingons have like, there are different offshoots of Klingons and why they have evolved so rapidly because of like genetic stuff. Okay. So it's just a way for them to explain away how the makeup got better. Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So, but like, but these guys didn't have hair, it's okay, beards, it's or anything. Like how futuristic it looks. It does look. It, it does look very it's got, slick. It's got prequelitis. Like, it does like, look very slick. Yeah, like Star yeah. Wars prequels. That's where the, like the the Orville, like like we mentioned it. Like I think it does a better job of capturing the feel of the original series than Ma- this does. Have you watched the Orville? I haven't yet. Okay, so I I've seen everybody talking about the Orville. I had watched the first two episodes of Star Trek Discovery, and I'm like. Please do not come at me and tell me that Seth fucking McFarlane right. is making a better Star Trek show than the people in charge of Star Trek. But then I watched the first four episodes of the Orville. I heard it's great. It is an amazing it's- show. I heard it's really good. Bobby, I got it's another like call coming in. Just with- I got to let you go, brother. It, but, but thank you for your call. And we will wrap like about that? this more off. The- <laughs> just like that. Yes, Bobby. <laughs> I'll talk to you later. Okay, bye. bye. <laughs> thank you for calling THN cover to cover. Caller, who dis? Hey, guys, it's D. What's going on, D? It sounds like you're hiding in a sleeping bag. <laughs> yeah. He might be. I'm not supposed to talk about it. Oh, well, I understand. <laughs> I get it, brother. What do you want to rap about today? <laughs> um, can we talk about action comics? Like, I haven't been reading it, but I've been following it. Let's talk about action comics. Is that permitted? Like, the, the Dr. Oz or Mr. Oz? Yes. <laughs> Dr. Oz, yeah. Dr. Oz. Uh, oh, Dr. Phil? Yeah. <laughs> 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 like, if I, I'm surprised, like, who he actually was. You know, I'm not really for Dan Jurgens, but that story 
was pretty surprising. The fact, you know, that uh, Tim Drake is back. Yeah. Yes. Jor-El is, is Mr. Oz and Tim Drake is coming back. That's, yep. that's awesome. Okay, so you're happy about it. You're happy that Jor-El is back because I am. Well, he, Tim Drake being back is great. Yeah. I am yeah, I don't care. of two minds of this. And one is I, they've got to sell it to me. They haven't sold it to me yet. And why is Jarrell calling himself Mr. Oz other than just to throw us off the scent and of the make us think it's Ozymandias? Right, yeah. <laughs> like, what is the reason? That's um, what I, we haven't gotten that yet. So in, in Detective Comics this week, uh, Jorel confronts Tim. Okay. Uh, or he reveals himself. He's like, I am Mr. Oz. Right. Uh, and, and Tim figures out it's Superman's dad. He, he makes reference to the fact that he's not the one pulling the strings. So that he was a prisoner too. Right. So in much the same way that at the moment of his death, Tim was captured, the same thing happened to Jor-El. It's just that Jor-El has done something to make it work in his favor, and we don't know exactly what yet. Okay, let me ask this question. I'm going to ask it to you, and I'm asking you as well, D. This Jor-El, right. and, and maybe I'm thinking about it wrong because of the nature of the DCU now. Where is this Jor-El from? The moment of Krypton's explosion. Okay, so he... Which Krypton? Yeah, I mean, like, I need more than that. So he did not die on Krypton, as we know it? Joe is shaking his head, for those of you who... <laughs> no. This is award-winning audio podcasting. <laughs> it's pretty mangled. So like you were yeah, like he, he's he jacked up. From yeah. So he got hurt. Well, we, I mean, die. they haven't really gone into that yet, but if you look at, um, I don't, I'm not sure if that cover has been shown yet, but one of the covers for the storyline that's happening right now in action comics okay. uh, is lenticular and it shows Jorel and Lara like holding hands as Krypton is exploding around them. Right. right? It's the moment that this is it. Uh, and then you turn the cover and it flashes to the second image and Jor-El is getting teleported away as the ground he's standing on and his wife are being vaporized. Okay. So at like literally oh, the exact moment of what would have been his death, he was stolen from that moment, probably by Dr. Oh. Manhattan. Okay. And, and that's where that. we're at. And so now... Mr. Oz Jor-El has been running around the prisoner of working yeah, yeah, yeah. for, we don't know exactly. D, and, let, yeah. let D finish his thought. What were you saying, D? I just, I, I hope it's not a whole Watchmen thing. I know this whole thing is Watchmen related. Oh, it is. And that's what this doomsday clock is counting down. To it is. Them. Absolutely. Much, much how I, I'm very opposite of you guys. It comes to like the Joker and revealing his history. I don't want the Watchmen to do anything with this, this rebirth story. Yeah. yeah I, like at all. I, I'm, I'm still really I understand. Nervous. I'm still really I, nervous. I, I kind of agree. Like I am not interested really in having the Watchmen incorporated into the DC universe. The Watchmen is its own thing. Right. They're uh, determined to do it. And so at this point, I'm just invested in, in watching it to make sure they don't screw it up completely. Right. And it just really no, it doesn't seem like there's any reason why we need them in the storyline. It could be any bad guy. Or any cosmic deity. I mean, it's you know, it's, like, why it's, the it's the Watchmen because it gets people talking. I guess. And, and I wish it was Mr. I wish it was. You wish it was really Mr. Mitzelplick? Is that what you just said? And that was the <laughs> you nerd. Listen to you. <laughs> but that was but Mitz, Mitzel, 
Mixolpidolic was the uh, oh, reason for. Me. Joe's a real nerd here because he's got the pronunciation correct. Look, okay. <laughs> I'm not like bragging about it. He was responsible for Superman's muddied origin. Yeah. And right. and that was and they did that Superman Reborn storyline and revealed that he was the one that kind of gave us the, the shitty New Fifty Two Superman. Yeah, and everything was set yeah. right. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I I I'm not I'm not into the Watchmen stuff. I no. but it's here to stay. Yeah, and so now my only hope has to be that. It's at least sort of good. It's here. It's a little queer and we're going to have to deal with it. (laughs) We're going to have to get used to it. Um, (laughs) Patrick, our friend Patrick, uh, asks in the video chat, but can we be sure that it's Jor-El from the main universe? That's where I was getting at. Again, we don't know. That's where I was getting at. And I think you and D both just said, yeah, it is. Well, no, we don't. We don't know. Can we Earth twenty three? Can we Earth like forty five? I have no clue where. Yeah, that's just it. Like I, I, that's what I'm wondering. And maybe questions like that don't matter anymore because of how they've returned the multiverse and stuff. I you mean, know, it's still a multiverse, but I know I, it's muddy right now. Yeah, the it whole is, thing is. It's muddy. all very confusing. Yeah, uh, I, I'm. <laughs> You're breaking up on me, Need a map and a timeline. Yes, yeah. exactly. Oh, map, map and a timeline. Time. Yes, we talked about this a few I weeks ago. A give, me the t- give me the map yes. and the timeline. D, thank you for your call. We'll be arguing yeah. about this probably in the, for the next four or five years. So I look forward to further discussion of which URL this is. <laughs> All right, later, buddy. Uh, Patrick, also very helpful in the chat today. Mixie is pitilic, Matt. It's not hard. Fair enough. It's not hard. Oh, I know this guy. Thank you for calling. THN, cover to cover. Caller, who dis? It's Jason Sachs. What's hey. up, Sexier? How are you, my man? How are you doing, guys? I'm doing all right. Doing very well. Okay. How are you? What do you want to rap about? Cool. Have you talked about humans yet? No. Uh, Let's okay. get into yeah, it. We're, we've been waiting for an opportunity. Now, before we start spilling, Jason, what do you think? You're an old guy. You remember the Inhumans. You love Jack Kirby. Did they capture that old Jack magic? I think it was the worst show I've ever seen. <laughs> I'm not freaking exaggerating. Okay. Uh, it's easy. Everything, it's, everything about it was, was just awful. Yeah. It was stupid, poorly acted, poorly designed, terrible costumes. Yeah. The plot makes no sense. The dialogue is just horrible. And don't forget, it was boring, everything too. About it. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> Like here's t- here's 15 minutes of Medusa riding a bus. Oh my god! And like the the plot, oh. the way they forced everyone into this plot. Like, well, how's Gorgon gonna meet the humans? I don't know. Let's have him walk into the water and try and kill himself. I guess oh, you know, right. like yes, yeah, yeah. This is what, what the hell? Yeah, can we please talk about the the extended subplot of? Gorgon and his Hawaiian surfer buddies. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> what? And remember, he says there's a threat coming. So you're expecting them, someone to attack them at some point, but nothing actually happens at the end of the episode. He's still hanging out with the surfer buddy. Yeah. Drinking beer. Yeah. Oh my God. Which, yeah. Like I which, watched. You know, I'd love to do. I will share. Go ahead. I didn't know uh, like, we're going to drink beer. You know, I watched it. I watched it. And in the moment I was like, you know what? Okay. I was trying to identify things that I thought they did right. Like I was too. 
I, I, I enjoyed the scene. Like there were some scenes that were lifted right from certain comics, which sure. I thought was fun. Um, when they had the two kids go through Terra Genesis and the one girl came out with wings and it was such a big deal. Although let's back up. Yeah. That's how they do it. They put you in one at a time. There's a lot of people living in Adelan. They so did it. Is they this were going on 24 <laughs> seven, you know, or is it like the DMV with just a line of people waiting to get into those two chambers? There's not as many people <laughs> in Adelan as you think. I don't think uh, there's still, there's more than a thousand. We agree on that. But they were, they both, they went through it together. There was two pods. I get it. I know. I know. And they make a big deal out of it. They have a big ceremony. It's like a bar mitzvah. I got wings. And the kid's like, I didn't get shit, you know? (laughs) But, um, you know, that was right from one of the, one of the comics, not the Jay Lee comic, but, uh, maybe it was. No, it was a Paul Jenkins, Jay Lee one. Yeah. Well, there was another one that followed that. That was about a bunch of younger kids. Yeah. And it was a big deal when the girl came out of Terra Genesis with wings because the flyers are rare. But this one, they really, Crystal's like, a flyer. (laughs) Shut up. But they were, (laughs) but they were excited is my point. Yes, it was bad acting. Um, to the to real yeah, quick, that was kind of nice that they were excited. Anyway, it's like actually some emotion too. Yeah, stupid, poorly Shakespearean done acting. You know? Oh my god, the acting was terrible, and the costuming was so, much- so bad. Now here's the thing: they nailed Crystal. That is what Crystal looks like in the comics, and I did not realize that I do not need that on the big screen. <laughs> it, it does not make the transition at all. It, Medusa's hair? Oh my god, it was the worst! <laughs> it's okay. It didn't well, last very long. Too. So, so one of the things I hate when you have a first episode is you have these new characters, then you depower them. It yeah. does no, it's like stupid. So why do they shave her head? Yeah. And why do they have black bolt in that insane confrontation at the police, de- or, you know, outside the police department oh. when he's wander- when he steals the outfit and goes wandering around the streets? It's like, so why make bad. your heroes into these losers? I actually did like that, though. Well, no, I, I like that black bolt was just like, all right, thanks. And then he left. Well, but <laughs> because well, he's the king. They've been living on the moon. Right, so it's not like they're on the ass end of the this galaxy. Is, yes, this is this is something I wanted to touch on. They're watching the Earth. They know stuff's going like, on there. Black Bolt knows what a car is. Right, but when they get there, yeah. they're like, Whoa, what the hell? It's like, come on. Yeah, like Medusa when she calls him on the phone, she says, "Hey, it sounds like there's cars by you." And she knows what a bus she is. She knows what a fucking car yeah, is. Yeah, like Black Bolt does not show up and, and is surprised by the presence of automobiles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, no, okay, can we talk about how Black Bolt killed his parents for a minute? That scene where they do the flashback and where Maximus is like, just like you killed our parents. And they flash back and little kid Black sitting there and he goes, why? And <laughs> just like his parents become like a pizza thrown on the wall. <laughs> I didn't mind that so much. It was so dumb. It was so stupid. Was what, so what, stupid. You, what would you have wanted from that scene? I don't know. Give it some emotion, maybe? Make it, like, actually look good? <laughs> ah. It was terrible. I mean, it's a bad show. It's not good. And, like, even... It is a bad even show. The, even the things that I thought that I would like, like, I really liked... Uh, I liked the scene with Karnak where they're at the table and the uh, server is flirting with him. And he spends two minutes telling her everything that will go wrong. Yeah. Because he can see all the steps. Like, I thought, oh, that's kind of clever. Jason, what did you think of Karnak's powers? That's the one guy who I actually liked a bit on the show. But they didn't like, explain it at all. He had some life to him. Yeah, he yeah, did. Yeah, they didn't explain him at all. But, like, yeah, I had Casey watch a little bit of it. And I said, okay, Casey, what is this guy's powers? And she said, he can travel time. And I said, no. And then she said, 
he can make illusions. And I said, no. <laughs> like, and I, yeah, if you don't know who Karnak is or what Karnak does, they did nothing here to explain yeah. his powers. Uh, I saw, I was, nothing. I was, I was looking at the hash, the inhumans hashtag on Twitter at the time. And somebody was like, so they just gave Karnak Amadeus Cho powers because they had all of, like the calculations right. illustrated in the air. Like, like they show Amadeus the math. Cho. But um, when it comes down to when it comes to climbing, he's all thumbs, baby. Just like <laughs> falling off walls and bonking his head. That? Of all things. Yeah. Of all things. Right? I know. Like, is that some villain or something? He just happens to fall off a mighty cliff. Right. Or and when his powers are fucked up. Or when he's that. like, Crystal, I mean, t- take your dog and get out of here. And she's like, no. Uh, Blackjaw, take my uncle to Black Bolt now. And the dog's like, Roof, okay. Stomp, stomp, stomp. And Karnak goes, no, no. <laughs> Come on, man, you're Karnak. Get out of there. <laughs> you know, it's- By the way, Lockjaw was like the worst CGI oh ever. Oh my God. Also. Worse than Once Upon a Time. And I make fun of Casey for watching that show because the CG is so bad. This was worse. This was it was like it was like Roger Rabbit cartoon character bad. They had an IMAX release for yep. this piece of shit. So I've, yeah, I've about 150 people saw in the country. Or yeah, something. they made like yeah. they made they made like just over a million bucks on the IMAX. Deal. If that, I'd be uh, shocked. You compare it to Discovery, right? For all its flaws, like Discovery, he's got a lot of stuff going for it, right? The yeah, effects are good. The characters are interesting. It's got a real story arc that grabs you, you know. Yeah, there's charisma there at least, you know, as opposed to all yeah. these characters wandering around, kind of sad, mad. Just, like, why is Maximus even doing this? What's his motivation? Just because Crystal yeah, wouldn't marry exactly. him? Or, or because Medusa wouldn't marry him? Is that it? Really? Well, I mean, he started off thinking, like, he thinks that Black Bolt is leading the Inhumans to ruin. That's what he states. And I get that. But then he goes from, like, being revolutionary patriot to cackling madman because he's like instantly murdering people and he's <laughs> right. he's so brilliant that he doesn't think to kill the dog first step one uh-huh. kill the dog that takes everybody and runs away with you them. can't you know? kill like, the dog man why you can't kill he's the maximus dog. the mad give me a break and the dog looks terrible i don't care if it never comes back and this is speaking as someone who loves lockjaw no, and every lockjaw. smashed face dog in the world all right listen <laughs> it's only eight episodes and we've already seen two of them Ugh, so garbage um yeah, well, I'm not going to see the next six. So. No, uh, I have not. to. I, I will know. watch them as like in as atonement for my sins. I am out. Uh, QE two. I would much rather watch Flash and Supergirl than this. I'm oh, ab- same. Hundred percent with you. Uh, Jay, we got to let you go, man. Well, uh, real real quick, just for Jason's information, oh. QE two, Queen Elizabeth II, who's yes. watching us right now in the video, uh, she says Netflix is the one that airs Discovery in the UK. Weird. So. That's weird. Okay. Okay. I guess CBS All Access is just United States only. It's a crazy mixed up world we live in, and yeah. uh, the cable companies own it, I guess. So, yeah. Jay, thank yeah, you my, for your call. I have a Canadian friend who said the same thing, by the way. So, it's uh, just in the U.S. that we're messed it's up. It's probably just an experiment they're doing in the U.S. Just another reason. Welcome to Trump's America. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, you guys. Have a great weekend. We'll you talk too, to you later, Jay. Jay. That's weird. Uh, okay. Brett Merriman thinks that I should get a, hair, a buzz cut like Medusa. I think so, too. Your hair is looking kind of bushy. Uh, and real quick, back to Discovery, Patrick says, uh, in regards to the Klingons and their goofy genetics, Okay. for a time, Klingons genetically mixed their DNA with other races, Yeah. which is why some of them look more like other, like, some of them look more like humans, some of them look like Romulans. Right. Um, 
And then it was like full on eugenics. They wanted like parts of what's great about every race to make their race even better. I get that. Um, Final thought on discovery. I honestly thought this took place in the new movie continuity as like a prequel or something. And that's why everything looked so slick. I, I don't like that. It's actually in the old continuity. I don't like that. I mean, what's the point? All right. Put a button on that. All right. All right. All right. Thank you for calling THN cover to cover caller. Who this? Harvey Locust. Harv. You, the, the much maligned. And, from the <laughs> you finally got through. We didn't even have to like. No. What, yell what, at him in the video chat. What do you want to rap about, Harv? Uh, answer the question of the week. Let's do it. Yes. Um, we're looking at what futures that we want to see actually come to fruition. Yeah. Well, well like which. What future version of a character would you like to see? Like actually take over the reins. Like the where where it went like with Spider Man twenty ninety nine. Would yeah. you like to eventually see him become the real Spider Man or Damian Wayne becoming Batman? That sort of thing. Ah, uh, because I was actually thinking something like a future that we've already seen that we want to see actually happen. Well, hit us. What do you yeah, got? Such as, such as Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. I want to see the real future. <laughs> I want to see that bleak, dark future that, you know, that Rufus comes from originally and not this glow in the dark, uh, neon colored, flashy stuff that we got in the second movie. Okay. I agree. <laughs> the second movie was not as good. <laughs> we can, we can all agree the bogus journey while fun, not as good as excellent adventure. Yeah, I mean, I love the movie. The movie's fine. I mean, they go to hell. I I really would like to see. Yeah, I mean, that is pretty badass, right? Yeah, totally. Satan's in there. It's got the Grim Reaper in it. (laughs) I'm not saying it doesn't. I'm saying it's not as good a movie. All right. Glad with. Well, that fight got hot. Jeez. (laughs) I mean, I honestly, I have not seen Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey since I've watched it for the first and only time on VHS in 19. 90x well trust me <laughs> it's on netflix and it doesn't oh, wow. doesn't no, i got i got it i got it on dvd from pizza hut back in like <laughs> remember when pizza hut had that deal yes no you order yeah. pizza and you get a dvd stuck to the lid of it you got yeah. bill and ted's bogus yeah. adventure <laughs> yeah bill and ted's bogus journey <laughs> so like were they giving out like dude where's my car and stuff too or no i think like weekend at bernie's may have been one of them um, there was, um, God, what's that Elvis movie with, uh, I mean, not Elvis, not actual Elvis movie, but about Elvis, like, uh, honeymoon in Vegas or something like that. Oh, yeah, one of them. sure. Right. Good God. <laughs> yeah. Sounds appalling. Harv, thank you for your there answer. Were, were, I'm glad you got through, man. <laughs> uh, I love, I'm like, glad we could talk Bill and Ted for I, a minute here. I really need to rewatch Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Yeah. That's a great movie. The first one's great. Do it. All right, guys. Have a good day. All you right, too, man. We'll talk to you later. All right. Speaking of QE2, let's get to her, uh, her life partner, Sir Ian Kelly, Lord, Fung- Lord Fungus himself. Stately Lord Fungus. He says, help me. I am in hell. Live from the still open boom tube atop the West Tower of Mushroom Manor, I'm Stately with a segment some have called Sand. It's not lube. 
Whoa. This week, I visited Uncle Tarquin to see how repairs were coming along to his balloon. I spent some money at the local fate bobbing for heroin event, drove a tractor across Art Edith's pussy, and carried moonbeams home in a jar. This week, the question was something, something, something about progression. My answer is this, and this is my tepid giveaway. None of them. Absolutely none of them. Really? Here's why. If Damien was to take over the mantle of Batman, he would do the job that Damien thinks his father wants him to do. But ultimately, his predestiny is to be something else, not Batman. Give him the cave, give him the suit, the training, and once Bruce is dead, then Damien will just fuck it up. The same goes for John Kent, The Signal, Speedy, etc. They all start in different places to their forefathers and should be treated as individual entities, not saddled with with the techniques and responsibilities of the originals. I don't really don't care what Damien would look like as Batman, and frankly, why would you? Bruce Wayne is a shattered psychopath channeling every ounce of his fractured psyche into doling out justice. Damien is a kick-ass, snarky kid whose parents did not die in front of him. His start is different. His journey must be also. If he ends up finally choosing the path of the Batman, then it's because he was fractured enough in life to need that persona to fight crime. Hmm. Where this succession plan does work is in characters like the Green Lanterns, who are asked to take on the mantle and be the hero in the absence of the former Watch. Now, QE2 is still out in the grounds, tending to her spuds. So I'll move on to my reads for the week. And thank you so much for the Wildstorm tip, lads. It was easy enough to find the Stormwatch books, and so far, so excellent. Yeah. I'm giving a huge thumbs up to my current reads as well, which is Titan's Rebirth, trade number three, uh, Green Lantern's Rebirth, trade number three, and a pamphlet I found in the Doctor's all about rashies. (laughs) I've been watching a lot of American Vandal and the absolutely brilliant Star Trek Discovery. That was truly everything I hoped for and then some. So, until next week, nerds, this is Stately saying no, 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 there's no limits. (laughs) Wow. Uh, he's a a talented wordsmith stately lord fungus is wow i like how he i always appreciate how he checks in with various topics yeah like here's my answer to the question of the week absolutely here's what i'm reading yeah here's our word of the week when we get when we get his thoughts sorted out uh here's something about a rash that i've discovered (laughs) Uh, here's something about a rash I've discovered. so he hmm he brings up a very good point though Green Lanterns, yes, I get. It's not hard to say, there's a new guy wearing the lantern doing this, because there's a big team of them. Batman, that's harder, because Batman is one guy. We'll get. We'll, get we'll come back story. to that. We'll come back to it. Put a pin in that. Thank you for calling THN Cover to Cover. Caller, who this? Hey, Matt, Aquaman superfan, Patrick Kavanaugh. Patrick hey. Kavanaugh, hey, how hey, are Patrick you, sir? Kavanaugh. And what do you want to rap about? Uh, I, I got a couple things. First, real quick on Star Trek Discovery, uh, I would echo previous thoughts in that it feels too much like the Star Trek movies. Yeah, I, I, uh, I agree, and I thought it was I was supposed to. It's, it's great, and I love the feel of the movies, but it's good for the movies. Yes. For a Star Trek TV show, I want the soap opera, I want the relationships, I want sitting around a table talking about protocol and... Uh, other things, you know, with the, with the Federation, it was fine for, for that one episode. I could probably do a few more. I'm not going to pay extra for it. Uh, but it just didn't fit my mindset of a Star Trek on TV. Okay. I agree. And I think that that's very valid. I don't, I don't disagree. And honestly, like I enjoyed it by mistake in thinking that this was 
direct continuity from the new movies. And that's why I kind of felt that way. And I was fine with that, thinking, looking at it from that frame of reference. Turns out it's not. This is supposed to be old school Star Trek continuity. And looking at it through that lens, I agree with you. It is, there's too yeah. much action it, it, and it feels too much like the real movies. For me, it was all about yeah, the aesthetics. It, it, it was the camera angles and the sweeping crane yeah, movements. Even the lens flares. I mean, even the, even the ship there on right. it looks very new school Star Trek. It does not feel like the old continuity. Well, it didn't look like it came from the Apple yeah. store. Absolutely so. not. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Right. It wasn't all and slick and I, sexy. I would, I would give it a pass for a TV show if it was in that new continuity. Because it's like, okay, it's th- this is the style of that. It's doing its thing, but yeah. it's not. So I'd, um, That seems yeah. like a missed so, opportunity. Uh, Big time. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh, so second thing, um, I need some help from the Nerd Nation. Okay. Uh, I, uh, yesterday I picked up a big lot of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle comics. Uh, it had, um, full runs of volume one, volume two, and partial runs of volume three and the image series. Okay. So I need to fill in some of those gaps from those last two series. Okay. Which is fine. I'll get to it. Uh, my, my, what I don't understand is if you look at the, if you go like the comics price guide, and look at the values of the books in the image series. It's one through 23 all down the line. One through 22 have a value of two to $3. Number 23 is $70. And I look at like eBay and stuff and it, it fits. It's going for that amount. It's a print. And I cannot figure out why. It's a well, I, that's what I, that's, I'm, I'm sure that it is. And that's what I thought, but I, I couldn't find anyone Anywhere on the internet saying, yes, this one's very hard to find. It had a low print run. It's, I've actually it's just, written, it's about, I've written about that book when I was working at Worth Point writing about comics. It is a printing thing. Oh, okay. At the point that, that was right before they got canceled in Image. And readership was so yeah. low that Image was printing the bare minimum of teenage that they could print at that time based on orders. They were basically saying, look, we're going to look at the initial orders and we're going to overprint by maybe 10% because we're losing so much money on this. So they're just not out there. Okay. It's not because it's a great issue. It's not because anything kick ass happens. They're just not out there. And that kind of collectorship really bothers me. You know what I mean? Because like, there's nothing Mm -hmm. wonderful about the book. It, It wasn't even very good, honestly. But it's just rare, so therefore it's right. worth money. I I don't know, man. But if, that's how collecting works. I know, but if and if people are paying for it, then yes, it's rare, and that's why. But that's the only magic there, honestly. Uh, but it's so dumb. I, know. I have to pay this much. It's just so I and Joe Patrick, you know, I mean, you know me. I'm gonna buy that stupid book, Patrick. Yeah, that's true. I can't have an Patrick. incomplete run, <laughs> Patrick. Patrick, you don't have to do it. You have the power I, to I say do. no. I do. The magic is inside of you, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> I lost my magic long ago, buddy. <laughs> Thank you for your call, you poor helpless bastard. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Thanks, guys. All right. Talk Bye, to you bud. later, buddy. Later. Let's get to these last two calls here. I mean, am I wrong, Tony? That's how collecting works. No, you're not. I mean, you're not wrong, but you don't have to punish yourself either. We got a long time listener, a second time call a nerd. Hello, Joe and Matt. 
This is Scott Evil emailing you from my new secret lair in Louisville, Kentucky. After two years of silence, I still listen every week and love the show. I wanted to get in on this question, but before I get to my answer as to who I would like to see go through some development, I want to mention those characters where this has already been done and done right. Invincible and Hellboy have both told long-form stories with real character progression, but no one holds a candle to the original Hellblazer run, where we saw John Age in real time for 30 years. There are also some great legacy characters that have had a chance to develop their own story. Wally West, Miles Morales, Kamala Khan, Jaime Reyes, and Ryan Choi. But those are all examples of how comics have shown true progression. The character I would most like to see given a chance to tell their own story is the obvious choice mentioned by Bobby C.F., Damian Wayne. The few glimpses Grant Morrison has shown us of Damian's future hinted a world and story that are even more compelling than that of his father. He's already got an imaginative rogues gallery, and I want to know more about the compromises and sacrifices that adult Damien made to protect Gotham City and to live up to the Batman legacy. He's got a giant or flying bat. maybe I just need more jackanapes. Because who doesn't want to read about a gorilla gangster who also happens to be a molecular biologist? Jackanapes. Finally, a question <laughs> for Askenard. Or maybe just for Jason Saxier. Who is the oldest active character at Marvel and DC? I'd be curious to know which heroes or villains might have been published before the appearance of Batman or Captain America. Are there any characters that were developed at the Big Two or who got absorbed into those universes that predate the Hallmark characters? That's it for me. Evil out. Man, that would take some thinking. Um, And actual research, I feel, wouldn't be required. Scott, welcome back. Welcome back, brother. Thank you for your answer and your thought-provoking question yes i did also very much like uh the grant morrison glimpse at damian wayne and it was detective comic 666 batman 666 yeah. batman 666 mm-hmm. yeah it was so cool and i liked that he was like devious and a cheer because he wasn't as good as his dad and he acknowledged that <laughs> it was really cool so scott's question are there characters currently running around the Marvel and DC universe that actually predate, not like right. age-wise in the story, like no, literally right. they were introduced prior to the iconic characters. I mean, not older than Superman, certainly, but Marvel. Well, I mean, Marvel probably. Superman was Superman has the uh, benefit of being published in Action Comics number one, right? And Batman didn't appear until issue twenty-seven of Detective Comics, right? Which means there are lots of characters introduced in Detective Comics. I don't remember if any of them are still around today. Yeah, I don't. But there I was there's guys like know. Sargon the Sorcerer that they have trotted out once in a blue moon, like sure. in JSA. Sure. Who came right out of like pulp stuff? Uh, Slam Bradley. Yeah. Like these are characters that were contemporary. Some of them may have been uh, the Crimson Avenger uh, predates Batman. Yeah. What about Marvel? Marvel. Like timely stuff. Well. I mean, everything Marvel was t- timely was Marvel until Fantastic Four yeah. came around. That's what I'm saying. Like the original Human Torch, did he predate Captain America? Did Gosh, s- I don't know. Did Submariner predate? Submariner has an odd distinction of being created for a a promotional comic. Right. That was never officially released. With, but that was pre-Captain America, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. We're talking late 30s. Yeah. Captain America didn't hit until 41. Right. So Namor, definitely. 
Um, but I think Marvel Comics number one, Marvel Mystery Comics number one, came out in 1940. Something like that. Yeah. So I feel uh, at least a year before Captain America. We're not looking at any of the stuff up right now because well, we're just we're challenging yeah. ourselves. I mean, um, so yeah, Scott. To answer your question, there are some characters that exist in these universes that predate a lot of the icons. For Marvel, the introduction of these characters was a little bit more. I was going to say that they were a little bit more scattershot, but not yeah. really because no. it was the same for DC. You you got the Flash appearing in one magazine, yeah, yeah, yeah. Green Lantern appearing in the other, Wonder Woman in another, yeah. Um, and they all kind of were spurned on by the success of Superman. Right. But yeah, there was a, a handful of characters that definitely appeared before Batman, but do they still use them actively? Not nah, really. Not so much. All right, let's get to our final yeah. thought. Thank you, Scott. That was awesome. Good to hear from you uh, again. Just a shout out to Jason Sachs. If you're uh, listening to this, if you have any insight, about Scott's question, we'd love to hear it. Yeah, absolutely. Patrick says Human Torch was 1939, so yeah, Marvel Comics. There you go. One. Predates Captain America. Thought so. Hey, this is Marcus. Two part, uh, two questions. Uh, who's your superhero? Um, I am spirit animal. Like, who do you connect with personality or wise the most? And hypothetically, if you guys personally would kill somebody. Who would it be, and how would you do it? All right. <laughs> Marx is trying to get me to cop to murder on the internet. Nice try, Narc. Yeah, sorry, buddy. <sighs> uh, the superhero I personally like connect with and think like has always been my guy, Daredevil. Uh, it's always been Daredevil because Dare- yeah, but your personality is not anything like Daredevil. no, no, no. I could just always I always liked. I always really liked that character and feel that he has maintained his character very well throughout like into the lawyer side and the superhero side and being torn between the two sides. I always thought it was very interesting. It's always been daredevil for me. I mean, I would have to say for me, though, he's not my favorite character. I love, I love him. He's not my favorite character. Uh, it's probably Spider-Man because of sure. the jokes and the, 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 the fact that he was young and he's constantly screwing up yeah. and he's making nonstop jokes. It's like, that's just very relatable. Sure. And that was the whole point. That was the whole point of Marvel at the time when these characters are cr- created, they had real problems yeah. and you could, you know, like equate them to your own. They were talking to 16 year old kids that were yeah. actually getting sand uh, kicked in their face. So, I mean, that is an actual sincere response to Marcus's obvious jokey question. Sure. But yeah, I mean, Marvel com- characters especially were built to be relatable to regular people like you and me. Yeah. Let's so. get to our answers for the question of the week. Let's do them quick. We're not going to harp on it too long. Well, I, for me, I already had it. I lived it. It was Wally West. Okay. Wally West graduated. Barry Allen died. Yeah. Wally stepped up. He became the Flash. And he was the Flash for so long that when that thing that we talked about last week with JD Gotta Catch Em All with things happening in cycles, when DC eventually, like, fought against their better interests and said, you know what we need to do? Bring Barry back. Yeah. There were people out there that literally did not know Barry as the flash at all. Absolutely. A whole generation of readers grew up with Wally as the flash. Barry was never my flash. I was aware of Barry and they talked about Barry here and there, but he was never my guy. And so if, you know, if the question is who would I want to see step into the mantle and, and like, 
I had it, and I would be thrilled if we went back to Wally being the prime Flash. Sure. I mean, we're not gonna. This is not gonna happen because now we've got movies with Barry Allen as the main character. But mine's not so much a character, and I'm kind of going with uh, Lord Fungus on this one, where I'm not crazy. It's difficult to get a new character to take on a mantle, especially with a character like Batman, for example. I would say it's virtually impossible. We don't ever need another Batman. People can do other stuff that you don't have to be Batman. But mine's a team, and it's a team that I absolutely love, and it's something that Marvel could have done to really fix some huge problems with the X-Men, and that is bring the new mutants up to the plate and make them the X-Men. The X-Men are, are ruined right now. They're unrecognizable. They're time travelers. They're on Avengers teams. They're all over the friggin' place. They're time displaced. They should have said, the new mutants themselves should have come up and said, you know what? You guys are fucking it up. You're doing it wrong. We're the X-Men. Cannonball. Sunspot. Magic. Uh, I mean, like, Warlock. Danny Moonstar. Make the new mutants graduate and become the X-Men. For crying out loud, you got a new mutants movie coming. Why not do it? Why not do it? I mean, we've got a new mutants horror movie coming. Yeah, well, we'll see. I don't know. (laughs) But And let the other X-Men, I'm not saying they cease to exist or they go away. They're in the background and doing stuff. They're even on the team sometimes. But it's time for the new mutants to become our X-Men. I mean... They've teased us with it so many times. I would love to see Cannonball. Well, but many of the X-Men and the New Mutants have been X-Men. I know, but I'm saying the New Mutants get together. They become your X-Team. Cannonball's leading the team. Let's go. But, Matt, you know, I don't think they're ever going to get to a point where they completely overhaul the team without having fan favorites in there. Like I get it. Every time there's going to be a new iteration. This is my answer to the question. I get it. (laughs) Right. It's just that every time there's every time they they revamp the team, you know it's going to be like here's three people that have never been X Men before. Right. Here's an X Man that's been gone for fifteen but years. We didn't even really have and here's that. Kitty Pride and here's Wolverine. Yeah, we didn't even really have that. We had Kitty Pride and Old Man Logan. Yeah. I mean, give me a break. Me cop out. Thank you to everybody that called today and played along. This was awesome. Before we get off the air, though, I need Joe Patrick to call his script back up because I have put. The new question of the weekend. Wow, it's a miracle. I know, right? And we're going to tell it to you, so you can mull it over for a week, or you can call us. You can leave a message with your answer. You can send us an MP3 to twoheadednerd.gmail.com with your answer. You can go to the forums. You can answer there. You have so many options. There's no excuse. It's an episode. It's a milestone episode 462 miracle. You got that right. What is our new question of the week? The new question of the week comes from Jimmy Randall who you may have heard earlier on in this episode. Via the THN forums, Jimmy asks, What cliffhanger had the most frustrating weight as well as the most satisfying resolution? Oh. And this doesn't just have to be from comics. It can be from TV, movies, books, comics, etc. Okay. So, great cliffhangers that made you wait way too long, but still had a kick-ass Resolution. There it is. I've got many answers to narrow it down from. Kick that one around and get back to us next week, kids. Again, thanks to everybody who played. Thanks to our Facebook audience that watched us on Facebook Live. We broadcast this every week so you guys can listen and play off each other's calls and play along. It's your nerd call-in talk show. I think we're the only one. I really do. I think we're the only one on the internet. I agree. Okay. So, hey, and while you're there watching, give us a like. I don't know. I made a little check mark. I think it's a thumbs up, right? Yeah. Give us a like. 
like us on the Facebook. If you yeah. like us. If you don't like us, I mean, fuck Matt, up. if they weren't fans of us on Facebook, they wouldn't be seeing the live feed. I suppose that's true. Excelsior! Oh. That is it for THN 462. If you dig comic podcasts that apparently don't know shit about their Star Trek continuity, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Pay attention. I just submitted our show to Spotify. As a matter of fact, they're doing a big podcast push. Yeah. Is that going to be good for us? I don't know. We'll see. that just mean more people not downloading the show? Probably. Okay, yeah. great. <laughs> THN is a listener-supported podcast, and we want to beam our thanks to all of our sponsors, like JD Gotta Catch Em All, who was already a Patreon patron, but then he upped his monthly pledge. God Get, bless him. Getting rich off that uh, THN review money, I guess. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, everybody that supports us on PayPal and Patreon. Without you nerds, we don't have the cash to pay for therapy after watching two hours of Marvel's Inhumans. Yeah, it wasn't only boring. It was long, too. (laughs) Before we go, our weekly shout-out goes to the THN consigliari, Ryan Forrest, who reached out this week to confirm that our memories of Batman animated series, the premiere, were correct. The Cat and the Claw, part one, did, in fact, air first in primetime, at least here in Nebraska. Word to you, Ryan, and suck it, Wikipedia. <laughs> Until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics or your retailer might take a lock-jaw-sized crap on your doorstep. Woo, and that's a big one. How would you me. like to have to walk that guy? Woo. This is the Two-Headed Nerd signing off. Lock-jaw, wake up. Lock-jaw, wake up. No, Lock-jaw, no. Lock-jaw, wake up. Yeah. Don't hurt him. Take Connect to the guy, and I got while I fight these guards. Fucking Olsen twin, the player was terrible.